Hello and welcome to Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. Journal Sessions is a weekly podcast that features a look inside Pastor Bob's journal on the things that he is thinking deeply and praying deeply about among some stories along his journey. And on this episode of Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast, Pastor Bob talks about his annual meeting that he meets with pastors from around the world and lessons that we can learn from the global church. Take a listen. One of the coolest things that I've been involved in in my life is uh, a small group of pastors that met globally, and we have met for almost 20 years. What we have in common is we all started our church, and we all have started a few hundred to a few thousand churches out of our church. So, you know, the smallest network is probably mine, where we've uh, started maybe 300 churches and and have uh, two, 300,000 people. Uh, versus guys who've started uh, thousands of churches and have a few million people. And we're from all over the world. I'm the only guy from the States. Uh, Well, that's not true. We now have another guy who's a part of it, who's an African-American pastor who has a very significant church. But we get together and we learn from one another. How do we start churches? How do we do ministry? How do we lead? How do we disciple? And, And it's interesting the way we got together was me and a guy named Eddie Leo began to talk about how we made disciples. And it was pretty much the same way. And uh, we used, used this triangle at Northwood uh, that's called T-Life for a transformed life. And it's the idea of the kingdom. You know, the kingdom is present when transformation is taking present, taking place. And so up is at the top of that triangle. It, it's how we interact with God in worship. Uh, in is on one side of the triangle. The other point, it's the idea of living in community with one another. And out is what we call global impact, which is the idea of everybody using their job. And he does the same thing. He just says up in and out. And I used to use these uh, bigger words. And now I just say up in and out because it's a lot easier. And all these guys had the same model of discipleship. And we thought we came up with it, but we found out we didn't. St. Brendan came up with that, uh, one of the uh, early uh, missionaries on the British Isles, and has a fascinating story about how he would get in his boat that was a circular boat, have a sail and no rudder, and just let the Spirit guide him to wherever he would would hit on the shore, and that's where he would share the gospel. So it was that basic model of discipleship. We all shared that got us together. We may have said it different ways, but we we learn from one another. Ephesians teaches that there are three expressions of the church. Uh, one is what I call the the uh, the small group or the cell church or the house church or the simple church. Doesn't matter. We've got to live in a community of, of, I don't know, 10 to 20 people that we can share deeply and disciple one another and and pray together and build one another up. And so where we practice the gifts and we're not just an observer of a worship service. The second expression of the church is what I would call the congregation. It's the coalescing of all those small groups. Uh, or, or whatever groups you want it to be. And the point is strategic engagement of the city around the world in mission, being equipped, uh, having a sense of direction and, and doing things as a group in evangelism that you could never do on your own. And the third is the global church. And, and basically, we think the reason we relate to the global church is to do global missions. And that's just 
one reason we relate to the global church for. We need to relate to the global church because we need it. Uh, we have the idea as Americans that they need us. I, I got news for you. We need them. Because what God does on the fringes and on the edges, frankly, around the world is, is incredible. And if you look at the health of the global church versus the American church, there's, there's no comparison. And so to be able to connect and with one another and get to know one another and, and then learn from one another. I mean, uh, Josie has taught me issues of organization. Eddie has taught me issues of small groups. David has taught me issues of apostolic leadership. I could just go down the line of, of the different things that I've learned from all of these uh, global apostolic leaders. But they're also important because of fathering. We all have sons in the ministry. It's interesting to me that uh, most spiritual fathers never tried to be spiritual fathers. They were uh, accidental fathers, if you will. They would just lead people to the Lord and knew they had to disciple them or help a church start. They knew they had to help that pastor. And so it wasn't about, let me father you. There was never any intent with that. It was more some young person or some younger person uh, who was moving in a particular area, they would pour their life into them. And so you learn from one another. So can I just tell you about, I don't know, five or six things that stood out in my mind as we got together. And this was the first time we'd got together since COVID. And we meet every year at, at one of our churches somewhere in the world. So here's some things. Uh, number one, uh, there was a sense, everybody agreed when we began to talk about what God was doing around the world, there were some themes, and here was one of them. There was a sense of recommissioning uh, the church and, and what she was all about. It's as if in some ways the church got so much about systems, processes, personalities, even around the world, that she got away from who she was. And there's some really good things that American church has taken to the world, but there's some really bad things like celebrityism and consumerism. And it was starting to impact the global church, and it still does. But it was like a slap in the face to some of those pastors when they realized what was going on. So it was kind of a return to what it already, uh, what, what they were supposed to be. Uh, there was a re-energizing by the Holy Spirit in these churches. You've got to understand we look at divine healing from a theological perspective, uh, but the global church sometimes sees it far more from a practical perspective. They don't have doctors. Uh, and, and living the gospel where you're a minority person facing persecution, uh, the Holy Spirit is more than just a nice add-on where you debate how to be filled with the Spirit and that sort of thing. It's more critical and necessary. And so there was a sense in which there was a rediscovery. There was a sharpening, a purifying, uh, a clarifying. One guy said, he said, I've had it with the Christian nightclub thing. It's just over. Uh, and uh, another guy made the statement. He said, uh, we are Joseph uh, coming to America uh, to, to, to see you. And by Joseph, he means that we've been in bondage and, and we're coming out of our bondage, but what we saw wasn't good. So there's a rediscovery of, of what the church is all about, what God's called him to do. I think one of the things that stood out the most to me in one of the lessons was the whole issue of patience. 
Now, I want you to think about this. When we think about church growth and what does it mean to do things, we think about intensity and execution and excellence and all those things, and they're important. But I was listening to one pastor uh, whose house was bombed, and he's in a war zone, and he's describing what they're going through. And he told us, he said, when the war first came many years ago, he knew that things would take longer than they normally would. But God had called him to this particular city that was under bombardment, and he had to stay there because that's where God wanted him. So he had to be patient. And recently, they've undergone some more bombardment, and things are very, very difficult in his city. He had a hard time even getting out to come and be with us. And and he just told us, he said, you know, God just showed me that I've got seven years to wait. I've got to be patient, and and I'm just going to have to wait. And I thought to myself, how many American pastors are going to say, I'm going to wait for seven years? I'm going to be content for things to be the way they are. I'm just going to hold on uh, because the way things are, we can't push forward uh, a whole lot. And and during that patience, he was talking about what it looks for him. It looks like a lot of sowing, a lot of preparation of the soil, a lot of other things that they're doing. And I just thought, you know, we, we would view that as, I need to go somewhere else because I can't do anything. But to him, presence was everything. I've got to be there with my people. They've got to see me suffer with them. So many times when things get hard at a church, some guy will go to another church or or just quit. I don't see it that way. Endurance and patience is part of the process of global leadership. Third thing, one of the pastors talked about it. He's got a massive movement. And uh, he's from one of the people groups that have workers that come from his nation that work all over the world, from South America to the Middle East, you name it. And he said, you know, one of the lessons I've learned is that I'm still passing the baton. It's not like I passed the baton uh, five years ago to the next generation. I'm still passing it. And he said, I think we have this idea wrong that that those of us that are in our 60s, we run hard and then we pass the baton and we stop. He said, no, we got to keep running. There's nowhere in the scripture it says to stop running. And as we're running, we're passing that baton. And the passing of the baton has nothing to do with how old we are, but those that God is bringing beside us. Whoa, let that sink in. So he said, I'm still passing the baton. But in order to pass the baton, I've got to keep running. Isn't that a cool way to look at old age in the ministry? I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to retire. I'm not going to hang it up. I'm going to keep moving, and I'm going to keep passing my baton. And so I really like that concept of of pass the baton, but not because you're an age, but because somebody's coming up behind you and, and push them forward. Here's the next thing that stood out in my mind, and, and we talked about this as well. Everyone I'm agreed, relationships are everything. Uh, they were talking about how everything they were doing, and, and this is definitely true in my life, was the result of relationships that they built 20, 30 years ago. Hey, young pastors, do not minimize the relationships that you're making today. Uh, many of those relationships, I, I'm talking. I'm not talking about other pastors. I'm talking about community leaders. I'm talking about uh, business leaders, uh, people that you know. Uh, and, and and what that looks like and, and the implications for that. So relationships are everything, and they would not have survived had they not dealt with those relationships. And then we talked about some shared global trends. Here, here's some of them. Number one, uh, that also shows they all uh, were seeing the impact of social media, good and bad. 
Uh, all of them ex- uh, were dealing with nationalism and tribalism. Uh, the only ones that weren't dealing with nationalism and tribalism, uh, everybody was committed to the nation. They <laughs> were all the same tribe. Uh, I would also say polarization in cancel culture, not just here in the States, but around the world. Extreme individualism. Uh, and, and you see that taking place. When I go to Vietnam, for example, I'm asked a lot of times about how in America do we deal with materialism? Because even in a place like Vietnam, even though it may be considered a poor country, people are getting things and, and it begins to change. And one of them talked about there's a constant low-grade exhaustion. I mean, you're tired, you're ministering, you're serving to people, and then you've got your own family issues and financial issues. So, and, and entertainment escapism. Uh, they they see that in meta. Uh, they see it in movies and music and everything else where where people are using entertainment to escape, uh, not just be entertained, but it's more escapism. Uh, people don't know what to do with the world, situations they're finding themselves in. And this was really an interesting trend they were talking about is uh, absolute truth versus uh, feeling truth. And kind of self-explanatory, people believe something because they feel like it's true. But there's an emergence of absolute truth, the idea that things are so messed up. What is the truth? And young people around the world are literally bringing their lives in line with uh, what they see as absolute truth. And that can be Christianity or another religion or philosophy. Uh, And then another uh, global trend they all seem to share was systems and institutions are severely weakened, uh, and they're going to have to be redefined um, uh, or reformatted somehow or another. But those are some shared global trends. Now, here's some shared church trends, uh, and this really made me sad and shocked me. I didn't think it would be as bad around the world, but number one, the marriage of politics and religion, and uh, they do attribute that to Americans, A lot of American Christians taking their political ideology, their global ideology around the world. So they'll go to places like Brazil or Indonesia or other places and and push their views of how the world ought to be and and that sort of thing. So they're seeing a marriage of politics and religion. And and this is concerning to all of them. Uh, Second, consumerism. We we talked about that. Uh, Another trend. They've lived church as a lifestyle, but what they've seen is church has been exposed more as an event than a lifestyle, uh, sadly, much like it is here in the West. Also are saying uh, people in their churches are looking for more transactional responses to their churches and their faith versus transformational And then there's a strong sense of rebelliousness that they all sense of do your own thing and don't tell me anything. Just just uh, beyond independence to to a sense of I'm going to do what I want to do. They see the emergence of celebrity culture, though it took a hit during COVID. It's still there. And then finally, uh, leadership failure. Just just a lack of leadership. So so what has that, everything I just shared with you, driven them to response? So what are they doing about it? They're returning to focus on community and relationships. They're small groups. I mean, it's going back to the basics. And for them, the basic is the small groups. Keep in mind, most global churches are very small. Most are house churches or a congregation of 60 or 70. 
which can fit in some backyards. Uh, second, it's driven them, driven them to legitimate discipleship and di disciplines. They're going back to the core fundamentals of prayer, reading the scriptures, sharing your faith, uh, generosity, all of these things. Third, it's it's this is fascinating. It's driven them to a hunger for truth. A lot of these guys are talking about going deep into theology. And so they're teaching things about the Trinity and other things because uh, th there's a hunger for what is the truth. Uh, and then transparency for what's real. Uh, people are tired of the fake. They're tired of the show. I mean, literally one guy said they're tired of smoke and lights. And he had a church where they use smoke and lights. And a lot of people go there. And he's saying it's just over. They they can get that from the secular world. They're looking what is something that's real and where the spirit is present? How is spirituality lived out in that moment? Uh, engagement and service is a big deal. They're all going back to justice and compassion issues. And, 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 and how do they help the least of these in their community? And then I would, I would say, finally, something we've already really talked about. Lots of spiritual fathering and mothering. Uh, just just necessary. So it's not a matter of go through my class, but who am I pouring into? So those are some things that we learned from the global church this last year, some, some trends, some things that are taking place. I want to ask you something. How would your church be different if you were to take the things I've shared with you today about what the global church is learning and doing? How would it be different if we were to become more in line with them? I'll tell you how to be different. We'd have far healthier churches. We need the global church. Not to do our missions and evangelism and give us pulpits to preach around the world. We need them because they've got something we don't have. It's time for us to see the world, you bet. But not show up, preach, and tell them how to do it. But to sit down, shut up, pull out a notepad, Ask questions and listen. May we listen to our brothers and sisters around the world and not be arrogant Americans who know it all, fund it all. So you got to listen to all we say. Maybe we'll all be better for it. Thank you so much for joining us for Journal Sessions with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. on the Bold Love Podcast. If you were impacted by this conversation, we would like to ask a favor. First, if you found this episode impactful, please share it on social media and recommend it to a friend. Second, like most podcasts, we are able to make these impactful conversations happen with support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. If you felt led to support these type of conversations, you can do so now and give at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Cast.com. Whether it's a seasonal gift or a monthly donation, we are so thankful for you. For more information on this podcast, show notes, and any other references, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com to get all the information there. We appreciate you joining us. And remember on the Bold Love Podcast, we encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. See you next time.